When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In sports, if you want to be the best, there are no off days. Welcome into the No Off Days podcast. We got Chris Cato, we got BK in the booth. I am Scott Smith. Uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm better now. You got your Metallica shirt oh, on? I'm, we got a big show this I'm ready. Week. We're going, man. This is midlife crisis mode in yeah. full effect. <laughs> Dallas, you, you and everybody else in that show? Arlington, okay, so, uh, AT&T Stadium, World. two nights, no repeats. So different set list each night. Two, uh, it's a two-night concert? A two-night concert. Wow. Are you are you that uh, into Metallica, or are they going to play a lot of stuff that you don't know? I've talked myself into being that into Metallica. No, okay. I'm that into it. It's one of those bands I only have a few that I want to see before they stop touring or before I stop breathing or something. And so... Uh, this was a chance. A buddy of mine, uh, you know, kind of talked me into it. And I was like, you know what? Let's go. Let's do it. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we, we're going to be talking about a little bit of different tour stop here on today's show. Uh, the, the format today on the Nod Pod is going to be a little bit different. For those that are, are just podcasters, you don't follow the content that we generate here at Fox 13 in Tampa. Uh, last week, we kind of hit the road and we did a college caravan tour. This was something that we had done prior to COVID. We had to pause it for a couple of years. But we're essentially bouncing around the state of Florida and we're catching up with the major college football programs, getting just a little bit of a taste, a preview of the season ahead for each one of these teams. And so we're going to go back and look back at what we did last week. We're going to pull up some of those interviews, get some of your reaction, give some thoughts on the schedule ahead for each one of these teams. So this is a heavy college football show. Are you ready for that? This is what we need this time this of year because yeah, we are, what, two weeks away two from weeks. kicking it off? Less than, I mean, what is the 26th is oh, that, yeah. the first slate of games. That's the no Notre Dame Navy in Dublin, Dame. I believe. That's, yeah. that's the first one, yep. So yeah. this is the time to start uh, dropping some knowledge on people, get right. them fired up. Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that, but we'll drop <laughs> we'll drop something. Uh, let's bring in BK. That's in. He's in the booth, and Brian made the travels with me last week around the state, and uh, looking no worse for the wear. We put in about 1,000 miles on the road. How did you enjoy the uh, around the state It was trip? fun. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I mean, it's good to – to get out of the station a little bit and it kind of it's good to see these programs up close you know you can see it you know on, on websites or you know clips here or there but to get there and actually see them with your own eyes and see what these teams are doing i think that's a huge uh plus yeah bk's a good traveler yeah yeah he's, backseat he's, driver is he a bit of no, a he actually no? he actually drove he knows better than to let me drive we've done oh, that before oh so bk then how bad of a backseat driver is this guy Pretty, uh, he's, he's not bad at all he, he's yeah. no he's not too bad i think it was the only time he commented was our very last turn coming back to Tampa, where I flew past Howard and decided to go on Himes right after Bucks let out of their football game. You were in St. Petersburg all of a sudden. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and, and a lot of times he was distracted by his social media presence, right? <laughs> like he's got this big following. You guys were doing Facebook oh, yeah, Lives yeah. each day, so he had to be uh, engaged with the with the people, right? Yeah. Well, the third party of our of our trio here was uh, John Wright, our chief photog here at Fox, and. Um, so he was the guy that was like guiding the uh, the, the caravan, the one that um, had all the situated with all the cameras. So yeah, part of our coverage was we, we did um, our shows, our early shows, our four or five and our six o'clock shows from on location at these schools, and then we would hop in the car mm -hmm. and we would head off to the next spot. And while we were in the car, we'd do a little Facebook Live, about twenty minutes or so, and uh, that was you know it was it was interesting. You know we the the cameras all situated around the car, so we even have extra Internal cameras. Wow. So I get you, to play with those a little bit. I get to zoom in on people that are driving on the freeway. Can't get away from you and your surveillance. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> Big sur surveillance machine driving down the road. <laughs> That's what it was. Uh, yeah. How are the accommodations on the road? You guys uh, yeah. hit up some nice uh, JW Marriott's in Orlando for UCF? I'll let Maybe, BK uh, answer okay. that. I'll, I'll, I'll step I, out for that. I, I was fine with it. I know Scott had some issues. Fine with it means super eight for BK. Now, this is more important. How, how are the eats? You get any good, oh, like, college college lot, town man, food? A lot of it was just on the, ro on the road. Like, okay. it was grab and go. A lot um, of Wawa. We okay. did have – we had – we. I don't mind giving them a shout-out, but I don't remember quite the name. In Ocala, a place called Harry's. 
that was, I think, far and away the, the meal that stands out. What, was it Harry's Fish Market or something or like seafood that? Seafood and Fish Market. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Seafood and Ocala. Oh, yeah. that's not. I'm it, telling you. Huge surprise, it's, but it, it was fantastic. It was. Holy hmm. cow. It was like a southern Cajun Creole right. like menu. That does and, sound uh, good. What did you have, BK? I had fish tacos. Blackened. Okay. All right. Mm, well, obvious choice. I okay, what the, are you? I went with the shrimp and grits. Oh, and, a little southern delicacy oh there. Gosh, it was the best I've ever had. It was oh. very good. Like, if, if you're ever in Ocala, I highly recommend Harry's. All right. Ha- make Harry's. It, maybe we have a new sponsor here for the All right. Pod. So, give us an idea of what we're actually going to be doing on today's show. Here what we're going to do is a mini tour here during the podcast, go back over these schools here in Florida that we, we went and saw up close and personal, and then get your thoughts now if you digested the information stuff of what these teams can expect this year coming up. So we go to USF, UCF, Miami, Florida, and Florida State. Check with all those programs and uh, get their insights. Very good. Uh, BK's favorite road snack is sunflower seeds, in case you were wondering. Oh, how does that work on the road? He you just you spits have them all over the, the floor yeah. of the car. Yeah. The empty Gatorade bottle. Yeah. And the car was a mess after. <laughs> yeah, that's, who had to clean that up? Yeah. What, what about you? You're, you're like gummy bears or something, right? I did. Yeah. I, didn't do Twizzlers. A lot of, I didn't do a lot of candy. Didn't do a lot of snacking on the road. That's um, unfortunate. Unf- yeah, I did a lot of caffeine, though. Uh, energy drinks. I love I love me some energy drinks. So, yeah, yeah. it was uh, it was good times. All right, let's relive it a little bit, but save on some of that gas mileage. What are you saying? <laughs> All right, thanks, BK. We'll catch up with you. In a, oh, wait, at the very end of the show, we, we forgot. He, he's Brian, you still there? Yeah. Okay, a little uh, tease for the end, sorry. For the end of the show, I mean, we'll get away from just the Florida schools, and I'll get your thoughts on the uh, other, just the college football world in general. Get you to get some uh, predictions, maybe, maybe some bold statements. Or well, the, like the that. media poll came out yesterday. Right. So I yes. think we, we're going to have to react to that. Um, so we'll do that. Okay, very good. Now Great. I can usher you out. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you were listening and you want to watch, go to fox13news.com slash nodpod. If you're watching and you want to listen or subscribe, take out your phone, zap that QR code on the screen in the bottom right hand corner, and there you'll find all of our shows. And if at any point listening to our show, you start to feel a little drowsy, a little mental drift, kind of like your own little road trip. Just pause it, go to the bathroom, get a good stretch, maybe pound a box of nerds, squeeze a little lemon in your <laughs> eye, and uh, just keep on trucking, right? They say that the destin- it's not the destination, it is the journey. Uh, that is actually very true when you're listening to this podcast because most of the time we don't really know where we're going. Anyway, so please subscribe, fox13news.com slash nodpod. So our first stop last week was uh, just right down the road at USF. That was the easiest travel for us. Um, this is a team that's coming off a 1-11 season this year. They have a new head coach in Alex Golish. We've had him on the nodpod. If you'd like to catch that episode, that was, what, a couple months ago? Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's an engaging guy, young, and he, of course, was the, the kind of – uh, linked to Tennessee and what they did last year and making that run. He was their OC. And so a lot of people are like, okay, let's bring that offense here. Uh, obviously the talent's going to be a little bit different, but I think that there's a lot of hope. And, you know, when it comes to the things that they're having to replace, they had some guys that transferred out. Uh, they're replacing seven starters on offense. Uh, they did bring in some guys. Uh, Naquan Wright, running back, was at Florida mm-hmm. last year. He's in. I think they have a lot of hope for him being part of their uh, a significant part of their running back room. Uh, Jaden Alexis is another guy that the coaches were talking about. He's a, a wide receiver from Texas. Another transfer, Michael Brown-Stevens, a transfer from Minnesota. Uh, the guy that probably was most intriguing that I watched during practice was a gentleman, a Florida transfer, Lakeland High School product, actually, uh, Lloyd Summerall. Uh, he's an edge rusher, okay. he, and he looks uh, he looks like an SEC guy. Yeah. He's long, uh, long arms, tall guy. Uh, looks like he could be a guy that some create some havoc off the edge. So, uh, in sitting down with Alex Golish, you know it's they're building right. They they there's plans for a new stadium. They have the indoor facility now. Everything is building in that area, and so that is what they are selling when they hit the recruiting trail. The vision for the future. When you take over a program that's won four games in three years, all you can sell is a vision, um, and so we've. We've done anything and everything to get kids on campus here uh, from a recruiting side. We've certainly had a lot to sell in terms of what the history of this program, what you can do here, Um, but certainly the stadium helps, the new football complex helps. Being able to bring kids in here and say, look, there is a commitment, a real commitment to football here, and uh, so far it's paid off. How do you manage in kind of 2023 as a head coach in college football this what seems to be kind of a wild west frontier in players having free agency? 
Yeah, we've we've embraced it. Um, we've embraced it. I think part of why I was interested in this job was because this is an attractive place for guys to go. Uh, what we do on offense is attractive to skill guys. What we do, if, if you're talking skill, what we do on defense, it's attractive for skill guys. On the flip side of the entire thing is I got to create a culture here where guys want to stay. Yeah. Because we still got to recruit high school guys. We still got to develop young guys. And then when they get to a point where everybody may want them, we got to have a culture and a sustainable NIL structure to keep these guys here. And both of those things have, have taken a lot of time, more so than any sort of scheme or anything like that. And Chris, I think what he, he was mentioning there is exactly why they hired him, is that he really gets it. He knows how how the new college game works, mm -hmm. and he's going to operate within that system. And I think you could already tell. I mean, I think they brought in like two dozen transfer portal guys. So they're, they're trying to bring in new talent, bring in a, a hope for the future. And I think that you're starting to see some of the, the seeds being planted there. And I think that the uh, you know what that looks like this season, that's – that's the tough part is how, yeah. how quickly can you turn a team that hadn't won an, you know, an American Conference game last year and have them be competitive in that league now? Well, right. and I think that's the good news for Alex Golish, right, is when your team won one game last season, you don't have to do a lot to exceed expectations, expectations and to improve. Right. Anything's an improvement. So uh, when I look at this, easier schedule, uh, exciting offense. What should be an exciting offense? You know, this is the – Josh Heupel offense he's bringing over and an energetic coach that should reinvigorate the program. How far can that get you? You know, it can only get you so far, but, um, and we talked about this a couple of months ago. It's, it's Gary Bohannon. Uh, can he be consistent at quarterback? He was starting to roll some last year until he got Stay injured. Healthy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the wide receiver transfers they brought in. Those guys are going to get fed in this, uh, Alex Golish offense. So I'm not uh, offensive line has to be better. Not so worried about the offense. The problem last year, the biggest problem was the defense. They yeah. were one of the worst, in college football couldn't tackle couldn't cover couldn't stop the run so I'm glad you mentioned what was the defensive tackle you, you, Lloyd yeah. Summerall that's what they need they need somebody that can get after the quarterback you know they got uh Todd Orlando in as defensive coordinator yeah. he comes from Florida Atlantic that their defense wasn't very good last season either Here, so here's what I, I what I've kind of gleaned from that situation you know they're they're gonna run, run uh, it probably won't look too dissimilar I mean scheme wise it's probably different but but kind of the emphasis on um, bringing pressure might be similar to what the Bucks do under Todd Bowles. Okay. Like this might be a feast or famine defense, something that will pair well with their offense, which is a big strike, vertical strike. Like this defense is not necessarily going to lock you down for four quarters. They're going to give up some big plays, but I think that what they want to do is kind of butter their bread on turnovers and forcing the issue a little bit and they know they might give up some deep shots and if they can you know pair those up a couple of times and they find some playmakers that can can create some pressure on the quarterback and yeah. force some bad throws I think that that's where you start to turn this defense because you're right I mean they were maybe the worst defense in major college football last year yeah so let's take a look at yeah. their schedule and, and kind of jot out what we think they could do this year. Um, I, I think, obviously, real cupcake game there on the September uh, the 16th when Alabama is <laughs> thrown into town. But, I mean, Western Kentucky, I think, is going to be that, – that, that'll be a challenge on the road. Well, that's a tough one. Yeah. But, but, you know, if you can come away uh, with, with a 2-0 and start and then you come back home to Alabama, now you have like a, a – a, fan base that is fired up for the season ahead so western kentucky back home against famu then bama is uh september 16th you already have your tickets for that by the way i have five okay. would you would you like one nice yes yeah. please uh <laughs> you got rice at home so you got a stretch of three straight home games you visit navy at uab and that's a new program under trent dilfer um then taking on florida atlantic i think a winnable conference game right there mm -hmm. at uconn at memphis Temple, UTSA, and then uh, Charlotte to round it out. So, I mean, as I look at that schedule, I think they could come away with, you know, four, maybe five wins, and I think that that is a, a, a real kind of turn for this program. That's, I mean, you're not going to go immediately from one win, most likely, to bowl eligibility. So, I yeah. think if you can notch out four or five wins, I think that's a real successful first year for Golish. Five would be huge. Four would be good. Yeah. Uh, I look at that again. I've got three for sure. I've got FAMU, Temple, and Charlotte wasn't very good last year. Western Kentucky is a good squad. That's a tough one to open up with on the road. Maybe they get Florida Atlantic or Rice. I see, I see four. And again, that's improvement, and they're headed in the right direction. All right. Our second stop here on this um, 
College Caravan recap is UCF, no longer in the American Conference. Uh, this is a team that finished 9-5 and five last year. Uh, you were looking at uh, offensive coordinator Darren Hinshaw, who's actually taking over play calling duties this year for Gus Malzahn. Uh, Hinshaw is, uh, you know, he takes over an offense that was really, they were exceptional in the run game last year. Uh, I think they top 10, 228 yards on the ground per game. Uh, they have a quarterback that they really like in John Rice Plumley. Can he stay healthy enough throughout the – he had some shoulder issues last year uh, that slowed him down, but he is a great dual-threat quarterback. I think the emphasis during camp has been, hey, let's just take that next step in Plumley's development and go from a guy that is, gets itchy feet kind of in the pocket that wants to run and, and use that athleticism, stay in the pocket, and be a little bit more of a downfield passer. His confidence in the offense and playing quarterback. He's not looking to run around and go take on the whole defense and go fight them to, to the death. He's not doing that anymore. He's, he's playing quarterback. And it's fun. It's exciting. He's making great decisions, quick decisions. He's got his eyes on his progressions. He's understanding what the, you know, where everybody's supposed to be. He's trusting his, 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 the receivers. He's trusting the offense where he's not worried about where they're going to be or what's going to happen. And he's looking at defenses and he's reading defenses quicker and he's getting the ball where it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of encouraging signs. I, I look at Plumlee as a guy that probably immediately becomes one of the top three quarterbacks in the Big 12. Agreed. Uh, I think his athleticism is is sky high, and, and this Knights team, for as much of a transition as that's going to be from American Conference to Big 12 play, now I think they're going to stay competitive. I mean, I don't know if they keep their run of nine straight wins going as they go into a Power 5 school. But uh, I think that I think this team has a chance to, to pull off some upsets along the way. And, yeah. you know, maybe they sniff a seven or eight win season in year number one, which I think would be a huge success. I mean, Gus Malzahn, obviously coached for, you know, over a decade in the SEC. So he knows, you know, what these guys are going to have to bring, you know, not just physically, but kind of a mental like onslaught week after week when you're taking on teams that are power five. It's not just a one off here or there. You got one or two on the schedule a season. It's it's every week they're coming after you. Well, that's when depth is the key, right? Yep. And that's the biggest difference we see when these if we can still call them group of five teams play a power five team is, yeah, you can get the big boys if it's a one off. But could you grind through a schedule? But I actually think that UCF is set up to do this. You look at their defensive line on their two deep. They get seven of eight guys back. Mm -hmm. uh, their secondary should be really good. And we know in the Big 12, it's it's about offense, right? So I feel like teams in the Big 12 that can play some defense, we, we've seen Baylor do it, we've seen Iowa State do it, that's a tougher out. So I, I think that UCF is going to come into this and, and cause some problems for people and be competitive right off the bat their first year in the Big 12. Yeah, their big edge rusher, Tremon Morris Brash. Uh, he had a bunch of sacks last year, and I think he's going to be a game wrecker as well. So look at the US UCF night schedule. Uh, they open the season at home on August 31st against Kent State. And that looks like a win to me at Boise State uh, on the Smurf turf. Uh, you know, hey, crazy things happen in Boise. I'm going to say that's a W, though, as well. Uh, Villanova at home on the 16th, so can you start the season 3-0 and and then pay a visit to Manhattan, Kansas to take on Kansas State? Uh, that will be a tough game. Mm -hmm. uh, back home against Baylor. You know, honestly, like, their schedule is not – it's not that difficult. I think you mentioned that just a moment ago, but, I mean – Well, they don't get Texas or TCU, so right? Yeah. Oklahoma, I think, is going to be – I mean, they're they're good. I think they're going to be in the, the the mix. You know, I think they're. But that's after a bye week, so that sets up nicely. Yeah. So I mean, I think that that schedule is a little bit better for you know first year into the Big Twelve. So you know, I see this team as you know maybe you know six seven wins. I mean, I think UCF and to me that's that's pretty successful. I'm I mean, gonna, I'm, you're, yeah. you're, you're more bullish. I'm a buyer. I'm gonna Vegas has the win total at seven. I'm gonna go eight. I, I think they have the talent right now to get that done with that schedule. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be a good year for um, first year of the Knights in the Big 12. Plumlee's got to stay healthy right. exactly. uh, for sure, but that run game is, is promising. Uh, I think they want to strike a little bit more of a balance too. Um, so vertical strikes, I think, is an emphasis during camp. All right, let's head down south, uh, jump into ACC play. Miami coming off a 5-7 and seven season. Mario Cristobal entering year number two of the Canes. Uh, and, of course, he is a he is a class recruiter. Uh, he has already kind of notched a 
top what, what they're thinking is going to be a top 10 class for 24 but he did that last year I think number seven recruiting class last year they brought in some transfers as well you know I looked at this team and, and I just saw a lot of playmakers and you know that that's not uncommon for the Canes I think that they obviously can recruit down there it's it's developing these guys but I think Mario Cristobal is exactly the right guy they have a new OC Shannon Dawson comes over from Houston kind of runs a a variation of the air raid attack which is very QB friendly for quarterback Tyler Van Dyke who I think is a good quarterback uh, they have a new defensive coordinator Lance Gidry coming over from Marshall uh, I like their wide receivers uh, Colby Young kind of leads that group but you got Xavier Restrepo Jacoby George is a guy that coaches are talking about here their their safety tandem okay let me tell their safety tandem Cameron Kitchens James Williams yes okay okay I I had heard about him but seeing him in person he is six foot five he looks like a legitimate SEC edge he rusher. was an Alabama commit and flipped yeah to to Miami so yeah. you know him quite well yeah. but uh, I think the back end of their defense is good they got some playmakers up front Leonard Taylor on the defensive line so Man, I, I think this is going to be a promising year for the Canes. Uh, so we had an opportunity to sit down with Mario Cristobal and uh, talked about uh, running this new offense and what it might look like under Shannon Dawson. The system that he runs is it's, it's tailor-made for our quarterbacks. Okay, uh, they're all very decisive. They're smart. Um, they get the ball out quick. They're very accurate. And they can use their feet, you know, at different levels and different degrees. So. All in all, you have guys that they've had 15 spring practices. They ran their lead practices throughout the summer, about 16, 18 of those. And now we're practice number, what is it, six, seven, I, you know, you lose counter in camp. But you see guys legitimately starting to take ownership of the offense and running it and then making the adjustments, sometimes on the run, sometimes post-snap, that are required of the quarterback in this system. So a lot of autonomy, but within the system. You come here last year, hometown guy returns. I mean, your heart is is here, right? Uh, and I think a lot of people have kind of this idea that you're going to be able to snap your fingers and, and have that turn. I mean, first year at Oregon, you had nine wins. So why not first year here? What would it mean to you to be able to kind of restore the glory uh, to this program? Well, there's nothing that's going to stop it. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, um, you know, you always, no matter what, stay real, right? There's change in college football programs because a place has done really well or a place has not done really well. And we left a place because we had done really well, and we came to a place that had not been doing so well. So it's a different starting point. And the starting point that we had last year, you don't complain about it. You don't, you just go to work with it, and you go all out, and you just keep going. And no matter what, development will come. Talent acquisition will come. Belief and trust will come, but you don't stop working. You don't give in. And you got to keep bringing in people at all levels, first floor, second floor, third floor, that understand that concept and are resilient enough to do it on a daily basis. If they are not, there is no room for them in the program. It doesn't work that way. And that's FIU, that's Rutgers, that's one of Oregon, any place that we've been to. It's been the same, this one. At some point in time, they, there's nothing that's going to stop it. So at some point in time, all the things will be lined up where Miami looks like Miami again. Did you hmm. catch that? Nothing's going to stop it. Very confident, yeah. uh, and I think he certainly believes that that change is going to happen soon. I think the biggest change for this team going into next year, I think their defense is going to be a lot better. they got playmakers on that defensive side of the ball. They were 10th in uh, defensive scoring last year. I think that's going to see a big jump. So as we take a look at their schedule, Chris, what are your thoughts on the Canes? Well, they've got it. Well, let's look at the schedule first. All right, so they've got a real shot here to get to that Clemson game October 21st. At five and zero, oh, right? Uh, Texas A and M is going to be they your. They got six games. Uh, that'd that. be six and zero. Oh, yes, I can't count. Uh, Texas A and M, second game of the season. That's your first. Show me who you are, Miami game, right? Yeah. Last year they played. It was a close one in College Station. Miami lost. Uh, Miami has to take care of the football this year. They could not do that last year, but I think the Canes could get Texas A and M, beat them there at home, and then if you can get to that uh, Clemson game undefeated, you've got a real shot to reach all of your goals yeah I think last year's loss to Middle Tennessee was like a rude awakening for a lot of these guys that you I mean you you to much to what 
Mario was talking about, like you got to go out and show it each and every week. And um, so even the, the first five, six games of that schedule, and I think the A&M game is going to be a telling matchup as well. Um, you know, I, I, th- I don't think they can afford to look past anybody. So yeah. uh, I, I look at this team as a nine-win team. Uh, I think that they're going to have a successful run in, in year two, and I think they finish ranked in the in the you know in the top twenty-five. I yeah. think that that this team is is going to start to turn the corner, and I think next year is really going to be the year where there's going to be some buzz about them. What, what do you think? Well, you said this a couple of weeks ago when we were breaking down the NFL, one of the NFL teams. You said you believe in the trajectory. You trust the trajectory of a good young coach. And that's how I feel about Mario Cristobal. I, I, year two at Oregon was his breakout year, right? And I, I think we're going to see that turn. He had nine wins his first year. Yeah. So. The second year was even better. Right. But here's what he's done. And so last year, uh, really thin on offensive line. He's a trenches guy. He's brought in some transfers this year. They got this uh, Javian Cohen, who was a starter at Alabama, was all SEC. They've got him in to solidify the offensive line. All the guys that leave Alabama. You, you. <laughs> he got, I'm bitter about it. They, they all go to Cristobal's program. He brought in a center for. UCF up the road who's oh, they g- love that guy. Gonna be important. Yeah, yeah, gonna be important. And I, so and the thing is, can they get Tyler Van Dyke to be the Tyler Van Dyke that everyone believed he was before last season yeah. when things kind of fell apart? And I, I think that's where the new offensive coordinator comes in, right? I think this system is going to be very friendly for Van Dyke. So yeah. I think that he's going to be able to to put up some decent numbers. And I think you're exactly right. They, they have built this program in the trenches through the transfer portal. They have young guys that will be plugged in down the road. But uh, that's, I think, both sides of the ball, uh, but in the trenches. O-line, D-line, I think, are going to be much better this year. So, yeah, I see. I see. What did you, did you give me a number I yet? didn't, but I like, I like nine wins. Okay. I do. We're um, on that together. Yeah. All right, very good. Uh, Let's head up to Gainesville now. The Florida Gators coming off a a six-win season last year, first year under Billy Napier. Uh, So they have now had back-to-back losing seasons for the first time since the late 70s. So something's got to change, right? Well, the quarterback has certainly changed. It's no longer Anthony Richardson, uh, who's now the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Graham Mertz was actually named starting quarterback the day after we left Gainesville. Wish we could have had that scoop, uh, but they have just <laughs> praised this guy's work ethic. I mean, what he did at Wisconsin is going to, I think, what they're hoping is going to pale in comparison to the type of preparation he's been putting in to get this team ready to go. Um, we had an opportunity to actually sit down with Athletic Director Scott Strickland and for that discussion, we talked about big picture college football stuff, conference realignments, transfer portal, NIL, how these kind of tectonic plates are shifting within the game, and uh, wanted to get his thoughts. It's maybe as dynamic a period of change as any industry's ever been through, uh, especially when you talk about the, the NIL and the portal on top of the, some of the realignment shifts. Um, from a realignment standpoint, it's it's more of a consolidation that is realignment. You know, you're, um, you know, the SEC uh, adding Texas, no you making the announcement two years ago, and they're coming in next season to be at 16. Um, you know, that I think that really adds to our league. They bring value uh, to what's already a really strong league, and excited to for that to to come about starting in 24. Um, you know, it's hard to comment on on what's going on in the other schools and leagues just because it doesn't affect the Gators. But, um, you know, it's, it's a, uh, you know, there, there's a, everything we do in college athletics is centered around uh, recruiting and fan engagement, right? Recruiting and fan engagement. And you gotta have resources in order to do those things well. And so I think a lot of what you're seeing across the, the landscape in the realignment space is uh, an attempt to, to secure financial resources so that going forward, schools feel like they can continue to, to impact recruiting in a positive way and continue to engage with their fans at a high level. Uh, we've seen, of course, the, the Big Ten. They're, they're moving to 18. And let's say the SEC does decide at some point they want to expand. Your friends up the road in Tallahassee have, have mentioned maybe they're not so satisfied in their situation in the ACC. Would you support your rivals coming into the SEC? You know, uh, I want what's best for the SEC. And so anything that, that is going to make the SEC better and therefore help the University of Florida by making the SEC stronger, we're going to be supportive of. What's the translation there, Chris? Translation is he doesn't want his <laughs> biggest rival in the SEC. No. But if, but if that's what does. Greg Sankey decides is best, they'll yeah. do it. I think it would be good for the SEC. I think it would be great for the SEC. Yeah. You know, Florida wouldn't be able to perhaps – 
pull some of the recruits that they're getting now because that of that. Is, SEC that is that. true. Uh, he, in addition to that discussion, he actually talked about Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. He is uh, they're looking into architects to kind of do this massive redesign of of the swamp and. Could they put in air conditioning yeah, like that, right, like right. for the for the bleachers? Well, I mean, he he said basically all options are on the table. I mean, they, they've even considered maybe a different location. I think that would be the, the last resort because they like the fact that it's located right there in the middle of campus. It's it's prime real estate. They want to keep a lot of the integrity of the things that you know, like the the intimacy, kind of the the grading of the seats and how it's those kind of, weird like corners that are yeah the, the wing walls yeah the yes, wing walls yeah. 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 so th- those would stay. But yeah, he, basically everything else they want to bring this thing up to date. So, um, and they have a massive uh, new training facility there for their football team that was eighty-five million dollars opened last August. So we're coming up. Uh, I think it's a birthday this week, one year. Um, and got a chance to kind of peek around through that building. Didn't see everything, but man, it is—it's very nice. I would assume that it, it hangs with the best in the nation in terms of those kind of pearls that you throw out there to recruits and say this could be yours uh it's got the lagoon pool it's got the video games it's got the big dining halls it's got you know it's attached to their eight-year-old indoor field um and then they have a brand new state-of-the-art weight room and all that stuff so all the bells and whistles there i think that they're ready to roll um I'm again. Napier is one of those guys. I think he was the guy that I said I'm buying the trajectory of Napier. I like him. I like him as a coach. I think he, he and you should like him too because he's certainly a, a Nick Saban acolyte. But yeah. he's. Uh, I think he's bringing in guys. They they look big. I mean, their their defensive, their offensive, their line, defensive line, like their defensive line is huge. I mean, yeah, yeah. Desmond Watson's gonna kind of step on that and scale. Who's that other bit. guy? Um, Cam Jackson. Yeah, Cam they brought Jackson? in from yeah. from wow. Memphis. So I think their defensive front's gonna be really good, stout. Uh, and Graham Mertz is a bit of a question mark. What are we getting in him? Here's a look at the schedule. They open up, and it's going to be a tough one out of the gates. Oh, that's a banger at Utah at, this time. At Utah, right out of the gates. That was a team that they they got by last year. I'm not sure on the road that it's going to go that smooth. But uh, once you get through Utah, you got McNeese. You're then hosting Tennessee. You got Charlotte. Uh, another one at Kentucky. That could be a tough mm-hmm. SEC game. I mean, this is the thing. I think they're going to be better. I think they have a lot of young guys that they're going to lean on, especially in the receiving core that they want and they expect to be playmakers. But that schedule, man, it's just it's unrelenting between Tennessee, Kentucky, um, South Carolina is not going to be a cakewalk. You got Georgia, LSU is a better team, and then you round out the season against Florida State. I mean, it's tough to, for me to say. I think there's at least three lock losses uh, in there. I'm kind of flexible on the other two. I could be swayed. I mean, I, but I can't really get past seven wins. And I and and I'm going to say that, saying that I think it's an encouraging season. Yeah, you know, Every, everything you said, I echo. I like Billy Napier. I like his system a lot at Louisiana. I think he's brought in Austin Armstrong as a new defensive coordinator to work with that talent that we spoke about there. I think Armstrong's going to be good. I think, um, you know, Graham Mertz was. I watched a lot of. Wisconsin football for some reason he got worse uh he was in a system that didn't help him much he's never had receivers like this to throw to and I think as good as Anthony Richardson was for his talent and athletic ability he sometimes Napier couldn't run his offense the way he wanted to I think a, a quarterback like Mertz allows Napier to put his Full scheming on display out there. Yep. But again, like you said, it's the schedule. Uh, you said you said you see three lock losses. That would be Florida State, I'm guessing. Uh, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia, and then what was the other one? Um, um, I think Tennis- L- Tennessee. I think LSU. Yeah, LSU. Um, so, I mean, I hate to say lock losses, but. Yeah. The, uh, those are, are hard for me to see them winning those games. There they and are. then there's, I, I think, even the Tennessee game is going to be tough. The South Carolina game is going to be tough. I know. At, um, at Kentucky is going to be tough. I've got, I've got, here's, I've got six. If you can get Utah on the road, which is going to be tough. Uh, you know what? And I just hope the Gator fan base will give. If this doesn't, you know, if you get five wins or six, don't get impatient yet. Which is hard to say when you just mentioned all the money they're spending on facilities and everything. And we've seen good coaches that the Gator fan base they run out of patience pretty quickly on. I, I think next year will be. A better year for the Gators. Yeah, and my sense is that there's no hot seat 
up in Gainesville right now for for Napier. I think that they like him, and um, and they kind of understand where they are. Oh, the let that schedule go sideways though, and you'll see that seat heat up. <laughs> right, but you yeah. know, uh, yeah. If they if they pull off two wins this season, then yeah, maybe they, it gets instantly hot. But I I think that they I think they like him a lot for the future. All right, let's finish in actually what was Jacksonville. Hmm. Uh, normally Tallahassee is where we make our trip to see FSU, but they. They do things a little bit different. And you're looking at Jordan Travis, of course, the uh, Heisman hopeful, leading the Seminoles this season. As much hype as I can remember in the last decade going into a season. I mean, they have a lot of talent. Uh, Jordan Travis, is he's the man. And he's a six-year senior. He's ready to roll. Uh, turned down the, op- the opportunity to, to put his name into the uh, NFL draft. He, along with Jared Verse on the defensive line. I mean, there was a handful of guys. Johnny Wilson, their wide receiver. Um, Fabian Lovett, defensive lineman. I mean, they, they have players that could be in the NFL camp right now yeah. and instead they want to come back and win this thing and uh, and and get get this thing rolling in the right direction so um, we had an opportunity to sit down with Mike Norvell and talk quarterback like what has he seen you know as good as Jordan Travis has been last year how much better can he still be yeah I, I think he's he's continuing to grow in his consistency and I, mean, I think last year he's one of the best players in, in college football and you know I have the same expect, expectation for him this year but you see the urgency you see the you know every play he's trying to bring a, a championship level intensity and focus you know, in the moment whether it's you know, period 18 or 20 in practice or you know obviously when you step out there on, on the field and it's and it's uh, you know it's live game time and so if you can if you can prepare that way I think it gives you just a uh, uh, a set, a, such a better you know, potential for success, but it's also you know when you know that you've invested that work, you're going to be prepared for your moments. And uh, you know, I think Jordan is just a, a special player. He's done you know wonderful things for us. But it, I think it all comes to, to who he is and the preparation and, and the work that he puts in. Well, and you, you're kind of touching on the fact that you know a lot of coaches say that the, the special players have traits that you just you can't coach. What would that be for for Jordan? Oh, I mean, he's a, you know, everybody can point to, to, to his athleticism, the things. I mean, he's a natural football player. Um, but I believe that it's the, the willingness to invest in others. I mean, the, the humility that he brings, um, you know, he doesn't do this for himself. I mean, he does it for the guys that are around him. And, you know, I know it sounds good in an in a audio clip, but, I mean, it, he lives it every day. Uh, you know, how much he cares about his teammates, how, how much he wants to improve, how much he wants to be, you know, be the best. And, you know, he's had to go through, you know, you know tough times. He's, he's been, you know, and had some low moments, uh, you know, in his playing career. But, uh, you know, just to be the example that he's been and to help others, you know, throughout that journey, uh, I think it's what makes him special. I mean, Jordan Travis is the tip of the spear, um, so to speak, but they have eight returning starters on their offense. I think they, they have so much depth offensively. They added this new tight end that's kind of like this. Uh, he'll do – he was uh, South Carolina transfer Jaheim Bell. He, he was right. kind of known as their – pocket knife or whatever they could what was it swiss army yeah uh, (laughs) same thing he's a switchblade he'll cut you (laughs) but i mean he's a tight end that's maybe not a prototypical tight end size i think he's like six two but he can kind of a pits like like florida had a few years ago well pits was a bigger guy but i you know he he can take the ball out of the backfield run it he can do a lot of different things but uh versatile um you know johnny wilson as a receiver that stands six foot seven their receiving core strong their offensive line they lost a couple of starters but i think they've replenished there so offensively man they were number one in the ACC 16th in the nation last year I think they can continue to make you know incremental steps better to to be even better offensively Uh, defensively I think they're going to be good I I like a lot of their playmakers and starts with Jared verse uh, getting that edge rush going but their defensive line is is really strong and um, so let's look at that schedule Chris and and give me your thoughts on the Knowles well I think the hype is warranted I I think everything that's a Seminole fan base believes this season can be it can be now here here's the thing look at the schedule we are going to know everything we need to know about this Florida State team by the end of September because you open with LSU in Orlando yes give me that that is how you open a college football season the game was great last year FSU won but probably shouldn't have I don't think, but yeah. so, so, you know, right out of the gate. And, and I think the Seminoles are going to get them. I think they're going to get them again and then go down through there. Southern Miss, Boston College, Win-win. then at Clemson. There it is. Let's prove it right there. You're playing yeah. up in Death Valley. Uh, so then after that, you're on to Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Duke, Wake Forest. Not very good programs at Pitt. Pitt's going to be pretty good this year. Watch out for that one. Uh, then Miami, you're playing at uh, – you get Miami at home. That's always a, a tough – 
rivalry battle there, and we just talked about how the Canes should be a lot better. North Alabama and then at your in-state rival, Florida. Um, Ten wins, I think, is, you know, that's that's right there where it should be. I don't know yeah. where the two losses are coming. I think maybe Clemson and this some and someone else is going to trip them up maybe. Maybe it's Miami. I don't know. You know, honestly, even if they drop that first game against LSU, for as much as you want to win that game to kick the season off, I think it's yeah. it doesn't really mean a ton. Uh, that early in the season and, of course, not being in the ACC. The Clemson game is the most important game for my money. I think they need to go on the road, and you, you got you to gotta beat them. Um, but, man, I see I see a 10. 10 is what they got last year, right? Right. So, I mean, at least 10. I, I think 10, yeah. maybe 11 wins. I think counting a bowl win, too, definitely 11, yeah. you know, if we throw that in yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, Knowles, they're, they're going to be a good team, and uh, they, they kind of lead the state in, in terms of, like, preseason hype and promise, and it, rightfully so. Let's bring BK back in. So, Brian, did you feel like we – relived all of last week within the span of 20 minutes did you sleep during that segment that was some knowledge right there i'm always impressed of all the little nuggets you guys pull out man that was very good hey show us the uh show us the the ap poll AP and, and let's talk it's through always it a my favorite bit. poll of the year the preseason poll because it's the that's, most meaningless that's chris's <laughs> least favorite even though bam is always up there uh, always there, but i just did the top 10 okay and you know of course george is up there then you got michigan ohio state alabama lsu Florida State comes in at eight. First time they ranked in the top ten in six years, I believe. Then you got Clemson and Washington. The the thing about these preseason polls, and Cato, he's dead on with it, is that last year's preseason top ten, three of the teams ranked were not ranked at the end of the season. Obviously. I mean, but here's the thing. And Chris and I have debated this before, but. <laughs> and let's do the, it again. The, well, here, the value of the preseason poll, it's a, it's a starting point, right? Like, it's not part of what we enjoy so much about college football is that we could sit there and say, week one, we have a top ten matchup, LSU, FSU. Will that change by the end of the season? Yeah, likely. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to finish with the same rankings most likely. So, But it's, it's a way to kind of evaluate what we thought of them last year what they return and the new additions and their schedule and say, oh, we think them, that they're right about here. I think it's good. I mean, obviously it's going to change, though. I mean, they got to play the games. So, yeah, I'm, I'm I will, cool with the preseason. I will concede a bit there that I do like that it generates conversation. Now, here's right. what I wish we'd do. I wish we would have a preseason poll. That's it. No following poll until first week of October. Then you know what you're working with. But, we don't but, need the movement every week in the polls. Why does it change y you at all? Like if the poll goes because, up or down after because week Because I one. think it does cause some bias when you're looking. I think the college football playoff committee looks at these things. Uh, and here's the chatter through the season. And, and I think until you get to the first week of, week of October, you don't have a big enough sample size to really rank anyone. Well, I agree that it's you're not getting the full picture, but I think, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with the way they do it. I think every week is fine. And they essentially do that for the f college football playoff anyway. They wait until later into the season where yeah, that, but that's they, the one that really matters anyway. Right. Right. It does. So, um, all right. So you have uh, you wanted to pose some questions to us, BK. Um, right. Big picture, right? Big BK's picture. burning big picture questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bring the graphic in. BBQ. Yeah. these <laughs> Top 10 preseason teams, and just like I said, three uh -oh. unranked. Uh, Which sorry, team, you dipped out a little bit. Could you repeat? Read it again. Just of the top 10 teams here in this preseason, and the three of them from last year did not uh, end up being ranked, which one in this current top 10 do you think has that best chance of being unranked at okay. any year? Okay. So uh, can you flash that top 10 again? Yeah. Pop it back up there, Sean. This uh, would be like the Texas A&M of last season that started out six and then – Correct. Flamed out. All right. Uh, would you like me to take the four first? Yeah. This isn't – I don't think this is going to happen, but if I have to pick one of these, um, Clemson. And here's why. Uh, if things go sideways with their young quarterback, Cade Klubnick, starting for the first time under a new OC, Garrett Riley, uh, there's no DJ Uyunglele there to bail them out. If the offensive line hasn't improved, which has been a problem the last few years at Clemson, and if they get – look at that schedule of Clemson's they only have to take care of business twice and that's uh at fsu or fsu at home and notre dame both of those are at clemson if they were to face plant in both of those their biggest games and also maybe lose to unc who's ranked 21st now and south carolina is going to be better than people give them credit for so in that worst case scenario 
that's why I would say they're the one team there that I would pinpoint if everything went wrong to fall out of that top 25. Brian, was that your question, though? Was that was it? it, yeah. It was just pick one team? Well, yeah. I mean, oh. you can go two well, or three the, the, if you want to. Yeah, you told me you said three. Pick three teams. No, three teams from last year oh. did not were unranked. Somebody didn't read the notes carefully. <laughs> <laughs> well then, uh, I also had I I picked three. I picked three. So was one of them Clemson? So prepared to be wrong, um, or maybe I hit one of them. One of them was Clemson. Yeah, I think it's yeah similar reasons. I also don't think their defense up front is is great. So, um, but the problem is I'm picking against the ACC, where I think it's you're not as you're not tested as as rigorously. But yeah, Clemson is one of those teams. Um, I also have uh, LSU. Maybe, yeah, and, and just because of the rigor of that that schedule, I mean, they have FSU, obviously. In addition to that, you got Bama. You're on the road at Ole Miss. What is A and M on a pretty desperate year for Jimbo Fisher? I mean, so maybe yeah. LSU. I still, th- I think they're talented. I, I like Daniels at quarterback, but I think that um, yeah, they may take a step back. And then my surprise that would not be in the top ten was uh, Ohio State. So, oh, oh uh, how does know. that happen? Well. I don't know. I've never seen Kyle McCord throw a, a, a football, so that would be part of it. Um, you know, is it? Do you have the same level of playmakers? You lose a lot of guys to the NFL draft, you know. So that would be. I'm reaching here, right? You know, if You're I had to pick for a three, third one. three yeah. teams, okay. Um, but it'll make uh, sense when Brian gets to his last question for us. Okay, uh, oh. go ahead. He's got get, what's our, what's your second question? Uh, next up is Georgia going for the three peat. Something that hasn't been done since the 1930s, I think. And Georgia, who did it? Who did it? In that the was a uh, Minnesota, the Gophers, wow. the yeah. Golden Gophers. Yeah, gotcha. I think Hayden Fry was the coach back then. Oh. On the current schedule of Georgia, which team has the best chance of uh, maybe upsetting the defending champs? I'll take this one first. Um, I I think at Auburn is uh, a little bit uh, worrisome. That that could, this this Auburn team under Hugh Freeze could be they could be different and they could be a lot better. Uh, it's on the road, uh, and then I also have the uh, the visit to Tennessee as a game that could slip them up too. Do I think they're going to lose? No, but um, if there's two on the schedule, those two. Yeah, you you took mine because they're obvious. I think this is a schedule for Georgia sets up about as easy as an SEC schedule could set up, right? Um, So, and I did pinpoint the Auburn game first because it's on the road. It's at the kind of early in the season. And Jordan, Jordan hair is just a weird place. Like weird things happen there. People's heads fall off. Your, Your quarterback, you know, decides he's going to, hit the transfer portal. Um, But also just because Hugh Freeze has been in that position before at Ole Miss where he had an unranked team playing an Alabama who, remember Alabama used to be the Georgia? They had that Georgia defense. And Hugh Freeze was always able to scheme up something, keep them kind of guessing, keep them off schedule. And next thing you know, especially if you're playing at home, uh, you look up at the scoreboard and you've lost. That's that's the one I pinpoint there. Do I think it will happen? No. Okay. I I feel good about my pick. You just made me sound smarter. (laughs) Or, by, or by did echoing, I? <laughs> by echoing it. All right. So there you go. Those Brian, do possible. you remember when Alabama used to be the Georgia? Weren't those the years? Oh, I've offended him. He's not working. Oh. He's, he was speechless. <laughs> I'm dead to Brian now. Brian, Brian yes. what, what, do you have any differing opinion on that Georgia schedule than what we just threw out there? Uh, the, the, the Auburn game, just because, just like you said, is sneaky. South Carolina, too, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, when was the last time Georgia lost at home? Uh, okay. You're going to have to Google that one. All right. That's, um, it's been a long right. time. It's been a while. Final. Your point final being foot. that they're playing South Carolina at home. Yeah. yeah. yeah I believe they are. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I they are. Schedule. Yeah, they are. All right, finally, all that said and done, give me a bold prediction about this college football season coming up. A, bold, be- a bold prediction? Bold. You want the Gasparilla Mowers bowl? <laughs> a bold <laughs> oh, prediction. Bold. D. D. Oh, your graphic says a bold guarantee. Well, I guess the same thing. Well, you thing. can make it a guarantee. I don't want to make it a guarantee. Oh, we're going to check them at the I want you to give me a very timid guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a – I've got an inkling. Yeah. All right, so the bolder the better. Okay, I'll, it, I'll go with this one first. Um, don't, don't steal mine. Stetson Bennett is retiring from the NFL, transferring back to Georgia for an eighth COVID Period. season and leading the Bulldogs. No, this is my bold prediction. <laughs> I think it's 
possible, but no, I don't think it's happened. But if I've got to make a bold prediction, Oregon State wins the Pac-12. Wow. And saves the Pac-12. Wait, in what way? Uh, because after the Beavers have this magical season. They create a dam that knock prevents off, people from leaving? <laughs> the, the Beavers do, yeah. <laughs> knock off USC in the what people thought was the final Pac-12 championship game. The Mountain West sees the – oh, the Beavers make the playoff too, by the way. That's huge. Wow. Yeah, yeah, you left that. Yeah, yeah I left that out. I believe in Jonathan Smith, and I believe in the squad. Anyway, so this happens, and the Mountain West says, you know what? We're going to take these four cast-offs from the Pac-12, including Oregon State. We're going to merge with those remaining, and we're going to use the Pac-12 branding, which is obviously has more recognition than the Mountain West, and we're going to keep the Pac-12 alive. And the attractive part of that being next year, when the college playoff is expanded, you still got that uh, – automatic bid for a highest ranked conference champion wait but all the teams still leave no the teams that are leaving leave but the four don't and it becomes kind of the mountain west <laughs> absorbing those four keeping it under the pac-12 banner the beavers save the day all right dogs and cats living together all right i, I like it it's a beautiful end yeah as a pac-12 guy i'd love to see that happen even though i'm switching allegiances to the big 10 um <laughs> all right so my bold prediction is for the first time in college football playoff history uh, th there will not be a big 10 team in the, the four playoff oh uh, so i i don't have though i think they're both talented i like michigan better than i like ohio state um but i'm gonna say because i think they beat up on each other i think that they uh, have at least two losses and will not get in um and i have texas getting into the playoff with Arch Manning Do at you? quarterback. No, really? Arch Manning. Yeah, I think oh, I think it's some Quinn Ewers goes down. Well, I think I think he gets injured at some point and I think Arch comes in to save the day, leads this team. And and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a matchup in that playoff. I already kind of played the whole season out in my head uh, with <laughs> Alabama at some point. That's the that's that, the that beauty might be the about this time of the year is we can play these things out yeah. in our head. And I like your scenario for no Big Ten team in the playoff because that does open the door for my Beavers to get in. Well, I do like the I, I do like the Pac-12, but <laughs> Beavers aren't in my top three. So, I, I mean, I think Washington's going to be a legitimate they're gonna be good good. team. USC's going to be. If USC, they can play if, defense. Yeah, if Caleb yeah. Williams stays healthy, I think that they're going to be awesome. And, well, don't sleep on the Ducks. What are we out of time, or does can does Brian have a bold prediction? Oh, give us one, BK. Uh, no. Mine will be that the Jimbo Fisher Bobby Petrino marriage will just flame out oh. by midseason. Okay, I think that's Big actually time. very likely. Big time. <laughs> Can't wait to see how that's like, going to work. Will, will we see like an on-field type of blow-up? I don't know, um, I don't know if it'll up. be on-field or if it'll be another motorcycle accident. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Set him up for that one, didn't you? Yeah. Very that good. was fun. I love talking about this stuff. We could all do right. it all day. Good job, guys. But we don't have all day. We are out of time. Thank you so much, BK. Thank you for uh, everybody that made this show possible, including all the coaches and Scott Strickland up at Florida uh, that we got the chance to talk to and that welcomed us into their facilities and let, that let us kind of uh, sit in on practice. Uh, it's always fun. The college caravans, uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of on the go, but I feel like uh, for us, it's kind of like just jumping into the deep end. Yeah, that was and real cool of you to leave me at home. Well, we invited you, <laughs> but you said, I have to take my kid to school I, I for his first day of school. You know, just kidding. That was actually more important. And I'm going to be making up for that all football season for missing out on my own kid's first day of school. But they know I love them. That's right. Um, and I love you at home. Thank you for watching. Uh, until the next time we are on, there are no off days. You're just full of love, aren't you? Big old lovable teddy bear.